Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle. Empire! Welcome back to the Blocking Charge Cast here at the end of the Big Ten regular season. I'm Andrew Krzyzewski, joined once again by my erstwhile football host, Thumpasaurus, a.k.a. Steve Braun. We've got the regular season in the books, so we're going to review the last week of basketball action in the Big Ten, talk about the conference tournament, the big tournament, various other topics for the end of the season. So, Steve, anything that stuck out to you from the last week of Big Ten action? Well, I mean... Fran can eat a bag, and oh, we got beef. And and, and also Iowa, um, Iowa leads the conference, if not the country, in like really horse face dudes. I mean, like pale dudes with really narrow heads and fairly long faces. Yeah, we're gonna need to, we're gonna need to check for some clan lineage from protruding Adams the, apples from the Kaminsky family because there's definitely a little bit of relatedness appearing there so but I mean it was a pretty fun stretch there because there was the potential for a four-way tie right up until the middle of Saturday well until the game was fine I mean if if I was last play at the end of the game well, I guess, no, I guess Illinois would have had to win earlier. Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they weren't. Illinois wasn't eliminated until uh, Indiana lost to Wisconsin, um, but then that's they, that still ended up being a three-way tie up at the top. Yeah, Maryland. The last time we convened was in the driver's seat with a game lead and a manageable-ish schedule. Oh, they did have the trip or the MSU visit coming. So obviously Maryland stumbled enough in the last couple weeks so that. MSU and Wisconsin both going on winning streaks at the end of the season meant we had a three-way tie, all of them at 14 and 6. As far as the Big Ten tournament, of course, Wisconsin gets the one seed because Barry Alvarez is still basically a Knights Templar behind the scene, running everything that actually matters in this conference. If you think otherwise, you're either a sheeple or you're a conspirator. So, Well, but I mean, don't you remember at the end of the last time we did this when Tom Izzo wrote the rules, the new rules that we were going to do going forward, and now he's mad that he has to play about those rules? By the way, the Democratic primary is tomorrow. Um, <clears throat> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wisconsin is hotter than all shit right now. And... Uh, it's easy to say that I don't understand why, but actually I do. It's just that all of a sudden they're hitting most of the threes they chuck up, whereas for the first half to maybe almost two-thirds of the season, they just weren't. They were shooting really bad. It's hard. It's a little hard to understand from an X's and O's standpoint about why subtracting Kobe King led to this result, but it did. Um, and, yeah, it, you know, it's fair enough to say that with Micah Potter and Nate Reavers as a one-two punch inside – they have enough inside scoring presence, and both those guys can shoot themselves a little bit. That most of the lineups they put out there, everybody can shoot the three. It's basically a lean forward 
I believe, is the only guy who doesn't shoot much or accurately in the way of three-pointers. Everybody else in the rotation shoots threes. That's why they're playing as well as they are. Yeah, all the way down to uh, breaded pretzel, about the Wisconsinist name you can get. Um, so, then of course Michigan State is the other team that tied for first. And not unexpected. No, it took them longer than I would have liked. And obviously if they, if they could have replayed basically any of their losses from this season, playing the way they did for the last four games where they, I mean, they beat Iowa... Went to Penn State, went to Maryland, and then hosted um, Ohio State and won all four of those all against ranked opponents. If they were playing like that, I don't know that they've got more than one or two wins all season, or more than two losses all season if they play like that the whole year. Obviously, they didn't. And the biggest reason that they've hit this hot streak that they have is because of two guys, really Aaron Henry and Rocket Watts. Henry has looked so tentative for most of his time. At MSU, every time he catches the ball on offense, he was visibly thinking about what to do next, which results in a lot of the, you know, the patented travel without actually ta- driven the ball even once, like just catch it like, uh, okay, and then go, go, and like, well, no, travel. Um, Rocket Watts is not making anywhere near the amount of freshman mistakes that he was before. He still takes a lot of shots and a few bad ones, but he's hitting a lot of shots too. He seems a lot more confident himself, which apparently he had this foot injury earlier in the season that kind of slowed him down. So those two guys playing the way they are to back up what Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman do every night is the reason MSU was finally, I mean, I don't know if I want to say they're moving up to preseason number one. That was probably always a bit much, but they certainly look like they can get, they can get to those preseason expectations now. And then... So those are the uh, first three double buys and the Big Ten co-champions. And, of course, the fourth was Illinois finishing one game out of first um, by virtue of beating Iowa and basically taking the Jim Harbaugh route to the fourth place in the Big Ten because they, they, they didn't really lose to anybody that was much worse than them in the, in the conference slate of games. I mean, they, they lost at Rutgers without Iowa Desunmu. Um but they also got swept by Maryland in two games, swept by Michigan State. Um, so they lost. They, they lost the series decisively to teams that were that were that finished above them in the standings outside of Wisconsin. They very much took the Jim Harbaugh route, where there's not much question that they're number four. They're no lower, but certainly no higher. Yeah, and you know we made some references to the Illinois Iowa game and how that played out. The thing that. I want to make clear, at least from my perspective, is it was an awesome game for the last game of the regular season in the conference. Uh, Iowa came out of the gates just breathing fire, got up to like a 10-point lead. Illinois not only closed the gap by halftime, but then early in the second half took their own lead, both that up 10, and then Iowa almost came all the way back. It was back and forth. You yep. clearly had some residual bad feelings from the earlier game this season, which, oh, like, there was beef. I don't need it to get worse than this, but it wouldn't kill the conference to have a Xavier Cincinnati type of matchup uh, amongst its conference ranks. There's, you know, the border thing, they're not really close to each other, but, um, yeah, that kind of matchup I think would be, would be beneficial for the conference to have just something that has a little extra interest to break up the monotony of, you know, late January through February, which is like, uh, Northwestern's on TV again. <laughs> oh, we've never <laughs> stopped hating Iowa basketball. That's that's never been a thing. It's just, you know. Most of the time, it, 
both it, it's been a long time since both teams were good at once. Well, I mean, um, Iowa, you know, you you only get that every so often. But I mean, for most of the last decade, Iowa has at least been decent. But Illinois has had its worst period of all time. And before that, in the 2000s, when Illinois was in a golden age, Iowa was in the Licklider era. So I remember going to school, one of the first Illinois games I went to, uh, Illinois leading Iowa like 31-4 to at one point. Yeah. That was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, um, yep. So, yeah, with that game, you saw Iowa get hotter than shit from three. Early on, then Illinois came out and rebounded with the purpose. Just this thing, Illinois and, and Rutgers are not too dissimilar in that they rebound a lot and shoot the three terribly. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, kind of the last thing, and then we'll we'll move on from this. Iowa's brand of basketball, I don't think, is championship basketball because eventually refs are going to let enough contact go that if you just don't play defense, it's going to cost you. But I will also say that their style of basketball produced, in my opinion, the two best games in the league this year, this one, and their game, their first game against Penn State at the Blustra. I don't know if you watched that or if you remember. It was on a Saturday in January, like pretty early in the conference season. Uh, well, it was great. And part of it is probably just the scenery. Honestly, the only real problem is that the, it was so – it's a famously not air-conditioned building, so it's always like 90 <laughs> degrees in there. Uh, and there's condensation. People were slipping all over the place. Um, that was the only little drawback to that game, which is otherwise a phenomenal match. It was, you know, Stevens and Garza going back and forth. Um, I think Garza had 30-something. I think Stevens might have cracked 30. Uh, it was a great game. Two of the best offensive players in the conference. Um, it was early enough that a lot of people apparently have forgotten about it. But those were my two candidates for conference game of the year. I'm going to surprise you this a little bit because it's not really in the lineup. But was there a regular season game that stuck out to you? Man... The, I mean, I, I I didn't really watch all that much besides Illinois, but Illinois was involved in some pretty. I mean, Illinois Michigan. The Illinois Michigan game State game yeah. had it not ended the way that it did, had he just gotten the shot up, whether he made it or missed it, I thought would have been one of the best ones. And I've said this to you before. There's no doubt in my mind that if Io had gotten that shot off, it was going in. He was going to make that. Shot. But had he, but had he missed it. It still would have been a great game. It's yeah. just hard to think about anything else other than his his knee buckling. Yeah. Well, and again, like what a what a fortuitous turn of events that that turned out. To, I mean, I remember you the slap one game. Yeah, the slap conversation when it happened was, was utter despair. Like all of us were disgusted and bummed out that that was how that game ended, as good as the game was. Um, he missed one game. Yeah. Um, well, that was the Rutgers game, which Illinois did lose, correct? But yeah, they, they they lost pretty convincingly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, to your point about Iowa, though, yeah, they're they're going to make for some of them. You know, as as long as they go in the tournament, there will be entertaining games. But at some point, Luca Garza's face cannot get incredulous enough for the ref <laughs> to wave off the foul. Yeah. Um, so you know, looking a little further down the ranks. Um, and we'll go through the bracket game by game in a second here, but uh, Ohio State, <laughs> it's kind of interesting that despite playing like one of the better teams in the country for the last month, they still only made their way up to number seven in the conference because of problems with tiebreakers they had because of that awful start they had. Um, I still like, of all the teams in the single bye that MSU could have played in their first game, like I was like, yeah. I had a feeling it was going to be Ohio State, and I have a feeling it's not going to go well. But um, 
Penn State, after peaking earlier, dropped a few down the stretch to fall out of the conference race. They're obviously still going to be a tournament team, though. Um, Rutgers and Michigan is going to be an interesting second-day matchup. But, we'll, you know, lest we, lest we omit anybody, we'll start from the very beginning. Um, on Wednesday in the Big Ten tournament, two games that, honestly, on paper, should, it should be pretty clear. You've got Northwestern versus Minnesota. Gophers have got to win that one. You've got... Nebraska versus Indiana. Hoosiers kind of really need that one. Most of the predictions I've seen here today have Indiana listed as last four in. And with with their name and their pedigree, you can't tell me that that's not going to get them an edge with a committee that they probably don't really deserve. The question is, what's the state of this team? Because we know what the emotional state of Nebraska is. No matter what happens, they're going to show up ready to play. They might not have the athletes to... To compete with, well, with really any of the big men in the Big Ten. Well, there's that, and there's also the fact that Cam Mack and Deshaun Burke are now suspended. And I didn't see, I don't know if it's indefinite or what, but this is kind of the thing that happens when you build a team of cast-offs. Like, sometimes they were cast off for reasons. <laughs> and that, at times, that's just going to be like, oh, well, actually, oh, yeah, yeah, that's why they got, they got absolutely shithoused by Minnesota. Because they had like six players. <laughs> okay, so is it fair to say that if Indiana loses this game, they should fire Archie Miller immediately? Yeah, I wonder. I mean, <laughs> first of all, it, I mean because this would knock them out of the tournament. This would be a terrible loss. Oh yeah, it, that's the thing is they may be in now, but that's not to say that their resume can't be changed so much. Like if you lose, what's the rest you got? Seven wins on the season altogether. Uh, you lose that game. That's, that's got to be a quad four loss. Right? I, got, I don't know. Nebraska, with their computer rankings, may somehow still be quad three, but that's still bad. And yeah. a quad four loss would be an absolute disaster. And you know, it's got to knock you out, especially like if, say, like NC State wins a couple games in the ACC tournament, Texas wins a couple in the Big 12. Like, they're both going to get consideration over Indiana in that situation, especially. Yeah, and the thing is, you just know that Nebraska is on some level aware of the opportunity they have to, to just ruin Indiana right here. Yeah, and why, like, you know, what else are you playing for? At this exactly. Game? All you're waiting for is next season when, you know, frankly, with the roster churn, there's going to be a whole bunch of new guys and your role's not going to be defined anyway. So you may as well throw your best punch at the biggest, most arrogant target you've got. And I say most arrogant because of the comments Archie Miller made today. Was it today or yesterday? I did not see those. Oh, look it up. It, he, um, he get for you know, the tone of the whole thing is frankly the the death rattle of a doomed coaching regime. Um, we we talked about this last week. We did where we said <laughs> where we asked if Richard Pitino was going to say one of those things at a press conference that sticks out as. Oh, okay. This he is knows this guy's. Yeah, he knows he's fired. No. Yeah. Patino hasn't. Miller did, though. Um, I mean, he gave this spluttering, rambling argument. First of all, I mean, in a way, like, you know, arguing that nobody plays as difficult a schedule as the Big Ten. And this year, that's true. But the thing is, that doesn't mean that, you know, winning. They ended up, I think, 9 11 in the league this year. I don't want to get that wrong. Let me check standings. Um, but, no, well, all right. So. You're going to want to read a summary there because we don't want to just necessarily put... But yeah, 9-11 in the conference this year. Um, and again, the problem is they, they've got a couple of nice in-conference wins. The Michigan State wins certainly helped. I think they beat Ohio State as well. Yeah. Um, but this, at the beginning of the season, 
you know, when we were talking about Indiana, I was like, boy, they're not giving themselves a whole lot of rope to work with here in their non-conference scheduling because they're not playing anybody of note. Oh, although the Florida State game is also going to give them some help. Um, and age will. Yeah, but again, that's like three data points, and they're not the only tournament candidates that have data points like that. There's, good, there's more of a complete thing. Like if, if the tournament was decided based off of who has the best individual win every year, just pick your one or two best, then Indiana would be in much better shape. But there's, you know, you, you, you've played at this point 30 games, so there's more to the story than that. Um, so all of, all of which is a long way of saying that, yes, Indiana's got some work to do in terms of not picking up an anchor around their computer, their metrics, by losing to Nebraska. Um, moving into Thursday then, first game, game three, is Michigan versus Rutgers. I feel that Michigan is safe for the tournament regardless of the outcome here. I mean, I've not seen any references to them as, you know, last four in, first four out or anything. Like, it's been a long time since they were referenced in that. They have some wins that are going to age pretty nicely. Strength of schedule is respectable. You know, that non-conference tournament they had in November is really going to buoy them a little bit here. Rutgers feels like a little bit of a different situation. and I don't think they're in as bad a spot as Indiana is, where a loss means that they necessarily need to panic. But if they lose, they have to watch every conference tournament that yeah. plays out. Because if there's any bid thefts by teams that otherwise wouldn't have made it, then you start to sweat a little bit. For much the same reason Indiana does, that non-conference is just not very inspiring. As is the fact that I believe Rutgers ended the season with only three wins away from home. And I think I heard the stat that that would be the fewest such wins that any tournament team has had since, like, the mid-90s. I want to say 96 was the number I heard referenced on BTN. So... Again, it's not that a loss here disqualifies them necessarily, but it sure makes you sweat a little bit more profusely until you hear your name called on Sunday. Um, that being said, who do you like in this game? I mean, it's hard not to go with the team that's won both matchups in Michigan. Yeah. And especially considering that both of them were near Rutgers. Well, right. Even Michigan's home game was at Madison Square Garden. Um and you know, given that theoretically a lot more Michigan people will travel to Indianapolis, assuming, of course, that the city of Indianapolis hasn't been quarantined by Wednesday, which is still kind of a thing that hangs in the air over both the conference and the NCAA tournaments, is will public gathering even be allowed by then? Pro tip, it will be, because in this country we care more about selling tickets than keeping people healthy. But I digress. So yeah, you think Michigan is the likely winner here. They've been kind of up and down recently. I mean, they they were not really in the conference race to begin with for most of the conference season, but there, there's been some uneven results here lately. Um, they still have an offense that will score points, but they can be taken advantage of defensively. There are matchups that you like that you can take advantage of down low or up top. So. We'll see how Rutgers wants to approach that. This has the feel of a game that's going to depend on score range. The lower scoring it is, obviously, as is usually the case, the better it is for Rutgers. But if Michigan's able to, first of all, get any kind of three-point contribution, which has really been the key to them all year, um, I think I'd have to like their chances of winning, too. 
After that, we've got Iowa playing the winner of Northwestern Minnesota. So probably <clears throat> Minnesota. Probably Minnesota. Although, again, the possibility for hilarity does exist there because Northwestern did just knock off Penn State. So um, they're a bit, a bit more of a live wire than you'd expect from a seven or eight wing team at this point in the season. But yeah, it, look, there's really no excuse for Minnesota not to win that game. So thinking that Northwest or that Minnesota Iowa is the more likely matchup, what do you see in that game? I mean, I still think that I think the same thing that I thought about the last Minnesota Iowa game, which is that if Oturu plays an absolutely perfect game, then they have a chance. But I don't think that I mean he, he can't make a single mistake. No, and the other problem is I think it's more likely that Garza gets Oturu into foul trouble than vice versa. Agreed. And if Oturu does get in foul trouble, Minnesota's got nothing behind him on the front line. Um, obviously, he's going to be drop-off from a guy of his caliber to whoever's behind him, but like really. But they don't really have a strategy to cope with him being out for any length of time. No, and they're, honestly, there are plenty of teams who rely on uh, a star big man. Like you could say the same for Garza. You say the same for Jalen Smith. I mean, hell, MSU's in trouble if Xavier Tillman gets in foul trouble. Now, they have more bodies they can throw out there and be like, all right, just go hack that guy for a couple minutes. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, not, it's not really outstanding analysis on our part to say, yeah, well, whoever gets their big their opponent's big man foul trouble first is likely to win the but game. But the odds are better that that's Garza. Yes, and that, happened, that happens a lot more to Iowa's opponents than it does to Iowa. Um, Iowa's also gotten kind of used to playing this short bench tension. They've never they've navigated foul trouble occasionally. Um, what Iowa does need to be concerned about, though, is that Joe Wieskamp has been flat out bad for like a month now. And shooting is one thing; like guys go through shooting slumps, but it's kind of it seems to be affecting other aspects of the game. He's usually a pretty sound defender, but he's been a little bit more prone to, prone to breakdowns recently. Um, the other issue is that since he came back from his own injury, C.J. Frederick really hasn't been as effective either. So all of a sudden, there's kind of a lack of outside shooting pressure. Obviously, the path to beating Iowa right now is to swarm Garza as soon as he gets the ball, find a way to do that without fouling him, make him kick it out, and force somebody else to beat you because Wieskamp hasn't been able to do it for a month. Well, I guess so. You're saying that one of the keys to the game would be to make C.J. Frederick cry? I mean, because he did say that he thought he was fouled on every single possession of the Iowa-Illinois game. So perhaps making him cry is key. How unlike the Iowa people we know to complain about fouls or say that every bit of physical contact should be called a foul. Hmm. I wonder where he got it. He learned by watching you. So, I I mean, Iowa's the better team on paper to me. There are certainly scenarios that Minnesota ends up winning this game. Um, again, a Northwestern-Iowa matchup is a little bit hard to anticipate. But if they get past Minnesota, I mean, for one thing, Northwestern at least has the, has the number of bodies up front that their strategy can be, never mind doubling Garza, let's just beat the crap out of him, make him earn it from the free throw line. Um, and, you know, again, I think... Whoever ends up playing Iowa. Well, basically the Pete Carroll defense strategy. Yeah. Are they going to call it every (laughs) single time? Just how deep are they willing to go? Yeah. Well, think about it. Northwestern, 
can throw Ryan Young, Pete Nance, Robbie Barron. Um, I'm forgetting a guy. They got one more big Gumby dude, don't they? Um, oh, and Jared Jones, Adam. He's not really Gumby, but anyway. Plenty of bodies that they can throw at guard. I mean, that's 20 fouls that they can throw at him over the course of the game. Do you think they're going to let Luka Garza rack up 20 fouls? That would be a bit much, even for the refs in this conference, who sometimes like to make themselves the stars of the show. Moving on down the bracket. Um, game, this is an interesting one. Oh, game yes. five. Purdue and Ohio State. Yeah. So I feel like anything could happen in this one because, as we've covered, Purdue... Yeah. Random number generator. Very volatile. Yeah. Um, they, they, they can score 30-something points. They can score 90-something points. Yeah, they are by far the most unpredictable team in the conference. We didn't talk about Purdue with respect to the tournament. What do you think? Not a chance. They'd have, they'd have to win the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. there's any other way to go. Well, yeah, maybe if they make it to the final and they lose a close final and there's... Chalk elsewhere, such that the ball is large. Um, perhaps there's a scenario where Purdue goes, but short of that, they're a good it. enough team that they could have, but they used up all their margin for error early on in the season. They're 16 and 15 yeah. right now. Like, they'll, yeah, as you said, they lost too many non-conference games, and not all. And they lost to Nebraska. Yeah, not all good losses. And right, that's gonna be that's gonna be the anchor there, isn't it? So, in looking at this matchup. Ohio State's been the better team of late, notwithstanding the recent loss at Michigan State. I mean, that's a thing that happens late in the season. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, <laughs> when Turgeon made those comments after they played Maryland, I, I assumed he was just whining because I didn't watch the entirety of the game. But then watching it against Michigan State, Weston really does get away with a lot of physical contact. The thing is, you don't say. If you play like that against Purdue, that's kind of how they want it to go. Um, and if there's, a, if there's a front line beefy enough to put up with Wesson, I mean, you can throw Travion Williams, Matt Harms, and Evan Boudreaux at him. Again, that's Purdue's one of the few teams that's got the burl, if you will, to play the game up front that the Ohio State wants to play. Yeah, I mean, the other thing, though, is Ohio State's role players have really stepped up in a pretty big way here. Even in, I haven't heard whether Kyle Young is supposed to be back or not. If he's not, but obviously the strategy for Purdue is go as fast as you can. Make Wesson run. He's not in the bad shape he used to be, but if he has to play 40 minutes, you're still going to be able to wear him down. So, Also, I think they should play as high of a tempo of game as they possibly can, so whoever wins, they are very tired. That's just my theory. Um, so <laughs> predicting this matchup, I've, I like Ohio State in this one, but as we said, would any outcome from a Purdue game at this point really surprise you given what we've seen from them this season? Not at all. And who knows? I mean, maybe Wesson is, is still feeling like he's playing with house money after committing, like, at least 20 fouls during the game on Thursday. Yeah. The funniest thing to me was that he fouled out of that game. Like, in a game where they went out of their way to not call fouls on him, he still fouled out. At that point, I just started laughing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, there as much as I say I think Ohio State will win, uh, Chris Holman can get bent, too, because apparently he, he wanted to make an issue of MSU subbing its players out and having them kiss the floor. Like, yeah. are you new here? You know, they do it every year. <laughs> He's been in the league exactly as long as Brad Underwood, who notably last year, um, uh, oh, my God, who was Tum Tum Nair. Yeah. Shook his hand, slapped his ass. <laughs> yeah, so, like... 
That's just, that's just being a sore loser because you think you're on a hot streak and you think you should have won the game. The only reason it wasn't a 25 or 30-point blowout, given the way the second half went, was because Izzo started fucking around with the subs and Ohio State kept shooting threes to try to make the margin more respectable. So, yeah, you can go ahead and get bent. Losing the first round, I don't give a shit. Um, everyone's talking about Ohio State as a team that nobody wants to face. I don't see, like, a weird number of Kansas Twitter people who are anxious about the possibility of Ohio State as a four or five in Kansas's region. I'm like, I guess like there's they've got some they can be dangerous, but I wouldn't put them. I wouldn't consider them any more dangerous than most of the other threes, fours, fives that you're likely to see. So. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. I don't know. That's, That's just, just something I've seen. I thought I would bring it out to see what you thought of it. Well, shit. I mean, I, I don't... Honestly, I don't know if I'm... <clears throat> if, 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 <laughs> if hypothetically I see Illinois in the same region as Ohio State, I'm less scared of that than if I see Illinois in the same region with Purdue. Because who knows? Right. Last game on Thursday, the winner of game two, that being Nebraska-Indiana, versus Penn State... So probably Indiana. Right. Probably Indiana. Although Indiana's got a little bit of a misfire capability to them the way Purdue does, don't they? Um, there's no excuse versus Nebraska for Trace Jackson Davis to not have, like, 20 shot equivalents. Like, if they don't run their whole offense through him, they're doing it super wrong. Crimson Quarry didn't die for you to lose to Nebraska. <laughs> well, they, they didn't. Are they dead? Or is It's like a... Crimson Lazarus thing. Oh, that's what the quarry references too. Because they roll back the stone and they're still alive. Shit, man. <laughs> it is that time of year, though. Yeah, yep. Uh, and on the on, if you on can't the third tell, day, if you can't tell. It has been a long ass time since I went to church. Um, so <laughs> I think I'm conflating some details in various parts of the story here. But anyway, well, basically, before the cock crows, Trace Jackson Davis will deny Lamar Stevens three times. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> sure. So, obviously all the subtext about Indiana is, is big picture questions at this point. Like, is Archie Miller the guy to get this done long term? Are they making a tournament this season? Um, man. You see, but at the same time, you see these kind of stories get turned around over the course of a couple weeks in March all the time. See, Richard Pitino last year. Yeah, Richard Pitino last year. It feels like it's happened almost every year <laughs> with McCaffrey. Yeah, like somebody, yeah. Well, yeah, same thing with McCaffrey. Because of because they not, I mean, they didn't have as bad of a February swoon as they usually do last year and won a tournament game that basically breathed new life into him. And now, I mean, 
piling Matt here on top of this one, he's good for the indefinite future. I mean, I, I don't know, being Irish, he's probably got 10 or 12 kids, whatever. He'll be there until his youngest his youngest spawn, who's probably just out of diapers now, has graduated, has matriculated and graduated from the team. So, um, what what <clears throat> do you happen to have any insight as to the faith of those McCaffreys? Do they happen to be Christian McCaffreys? Well, I don't know what denomination of Christians they might be, but I fair to say they're West Coast Papists. So, um, well, if they're Christian McCaffreys, then yeah, they'll they'll run all over Iowa for a long time. <laughs> That's what you're setting me up for. I wasn't totally sure where you're going with that. <laughs> Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. It is a Monday, and we're doing the best we can. So. As far as that game two winner versus Penn State goes, Indiana is an interesting matchup for Penn State, but I would obviously, I mean, in most of these matchups, you're going to favor the higher seed because their body of work has brought them to a higher seed. And also, in this case, the lower seeds already played a game. Right. Um, so I'd probably favor Penn State in that one, but again, they have enough games where if their three-point shot isn't falling, their offense really dries up. And I think Mike Watkins is also day-to-day for this, so... If he's unavailable, their front line has really suffered. Like, John Hara is much improved this season, but that has really just kind of brought him out to, like, an average big dude in the conference. And when I say average, I mean, like, in a typical year. Like, he's not an average big man in the conference this year, which means you're, you know, an, an NBA draft prospect. Like, that's not what he is here. What I mean is he is serviceable. You can put him on the floor for extended periods, and you're not playing four on five. So, um that being said, you don't want him to be the, the centerpiece of your defense and more than a fourth option on offense. And if Watkins is out, that's what he has to be. So we'll see. That's going to be an interesting thing. Um, it's always it's weird that Thursday is coming and going and Illinois is not playing at noon because since I moved here seven years ago, that's just always been the tradition is, you know, Hey, see if I can sneak out for lunch on at noon on Thursday because yeah. Illinois is usually going to be playing and probably losing. Yeah, and MSU's game is six thirty ish on Friday. I'm sure it'll end up getting pushed back because of delays in the earlier games, but it's after close of business on Friday. I don't even have to take. I don't even have to sneak out of work for half a day to be able to watch MSU play this year because they're guaranteed to play. I mean, if they advance, it's on the weekend and first game's out till after. Because I've left work to watch a lot of these games, and I think the only time I actually left work to watch a... No, 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 no. I never have left work to watch a game that they won. Um, (laughs) I've left work to watch things such as them getting boat raced by the Michigan team that had crashed their plane. Well, Um, that was just fate. Everyone knows that's blessed and favored. You were just part of God's design on that one. Sorry. Victor Oladipo dunking all over us in 13. No, that'll happen. It was, uh, let's see, it was, oh, another time where uh, Tracy Abrams missed a bunny that would have knocked off the one-seed Michigan. Um, nah, just uh, just a lot a lot of good times. I think we got boat race by Iowa somewhere in there. Boat race by Purdue somewhere along the line. It's that really good, good. It's 2.30 and my game is over. Let me go back to work now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically. Um, yeah. All right, so... Moving into Friday's game, it starts to get a little fuzzy here because obviously we're now projecting winners in all of the matchups. Um, first off, Game 7, the Game 3 winner, that being Michigan and or Rutgers. Well, or, not going to be an and. Uh, although, wouldn't it be kind of funny if, like, as these tournaments go along, the winning team is allowed to, like, gather strength from the losing team, like, pick two, <laughs> pick two of the best players, like, you, 
come with us, like, you know, like the Romans conscripting from a defeated... Or like, like, like or NBA Street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, the winner of Michigan Rutgers takes on Wisconsin, which has really kind of been the, the late story of the season. Um, <laughs> because, again, midway through the schedule, they looked dead in the water. There were serious questions about whether Greg Gard was viable long-term. Um, and honestly, like, as we said earlier... Who would have thought that losing Kobe King, on paper one of their better players, would cause the team to become dramatically better? But it did, and, and they are. And who knows? Again, maybe maybe it's just they've had an extended streak of hot shooting. We saw that with Michigan in November when they were lighting the nets on fire from three. And because of that, I mean, honestly, if you're going to shoot at such a high percentage from three, there's not much many teams can do to stop that. Like, what are you going to do? Guard the three-point line out to half court? Like, that, you, you can't do that in college. So what player could would Michigan State lose and then it not make any sense that they get better? Uh, like Aaron Henry, probably. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, like, like... Like you'd think, oh, that's a devastating loss. And then for some reason, well, it wouldn't make any sense. Sure, so I could say Cassius Winston, like... If they, but that's <laughs> an obvious one. Well, yeah, but it's so far-fetched. Like, if all of a sudden they have to play Foster Lawyer 28 minutes a game at the point, like, there's, there's no... No, like, that... This, again, like, occasionally addition by subtraction happens. This happened with Iowa. When Jordan Bohannon got hurt at the beginning of this year, I thought, well, shit, there goes their season. But honestly, like, it felt like their compacted lineup, just, like, everybody knows they have to play this role. Most of them are playing big roles. And that seemed to kind of help. Like, sometimes that, like, for most of Thad Mata's career, Ohio State never played more than six or seven guys. But because they were all a high quality of player and because they all knew they would have big roles night after night, it seemed to help. Like, there are plenty of teams where that's the case, where... You know, a lot of the better Duke teams aren't especially deep because they're very top-heavy with stars. Um, so maybe I'm rambling a little bit here, but no, my whole point is that like, the addition by subtraction thing can happen, um, and it really it seemed to happen for Wisconsin. So I would favor them, whether it's Michigan, whether it's Rutgers. Um, I think if you're looking at a team that you would favor in that matchup, it would probably be Michigan because they're more capable of scoring enough. Like, yeah, that's Wisconsin, this, is, this is not your grandfather's Wisconsin in that they still play pretty good defense, not as good as they used to, but they can score points now. Like They won they won one of these races with Iowa where they outscored them, and that's not that, that was never a way that Wisconsin used to win games, but they can do it now. They have enough shooters to do that. Well, Rugster did beat Wisconsin back in December, but that was back when they were bound by the shackles of their second-leading scorers still being on the team. And that was also back when Rutgers was Rugster Hops. No, so that's true. It was a different era. Man, those were heady days. Would that we could get back to that. Because, boy, I'll tell you, as I mentioned before we got started here, I've never seen more chestiness and hashtag-blessed type of, po- of content from a fan base whose team just failed to finish in the top half of the conference. Like, that's really, that's what Rutgers accomplished this year. Not to take anything away from them, because they are much improved, clearly. I think the arrow still points up. What uh, was their conference record? That'd be 11-9, so a winning conference record. Okay, yeah. They improved by four wins. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. And uh, other teams in the conference that improved by at least that much, I know Illinois did. Pretty sure Penn State did. 
I think Iowa did too, although I don't remember how Illinois improved by who oh boy. <laughs> An enormous amount. I gotta see this because I think Here, I'll check. Well, I know that they had twenty one regular season wins this year. So they last had year twenty one losses last year. Last year Illinois was seven and thirteen in conference. Wow, they did better in conference than I thought. Yeah, but it did. Remember they that? had there a very like, tough non-conference. There was that little stretch where but it seemed like they were FAU really... was not part of that very tough non-conference, but they lost it anyway. Yeah, but that's, that's a, that's a, a six-game six improvement for Illinois, though. Yeah. Um, Saw people floating Steve Feichel as Big Ten Coach of the Year. And you know what? Nah. To say that, to, to, to say that Steve Feichel should be the Big Ten Coach of the Year is to say that Rutgers is a special case of awful yeah. That is nothing like the rest of the teams in the conference. In other words, fine, you can say he should have been the Big Ten Coach of the Year, but only if we can say that you don't belong in the conference. Because that's, that's really what the stakes are. Yeah, that's the level of quality that you would have to admit to. Because Rutgers didn't lose anybody. Um, they lost on Rudy, but they replaced him. Not with, during the year they didn't. No, true. They had perfect, they had pretty good health. I mean, I think Baker was out for a bit with the thumb thing. But they honestly got better when he left for that little stretch. And they replaced Omrui with Kwasi Yeboah, one of the better transfers available this year. So um, That's not to say he hasn't done a good job. Yeah, he's, he's been fine. He's done a very good job. Extended. And, yeah, they did extend, over yeah. the last several years, he's built a program from nothing. It's yeah, not been a rebuild. It's no, just been a build. Yeah. Let's be very clear. You, you, got, you pay him whatever you have to to keep him as long as you possibly can. It's, you know... If some if Texas gives him a Godfather offer or he decides he wants to go to the NBA, what are you going to do about that? Nothing. But you got to make it hard for him to leave. So that's about the most that you're going to. That's the most space you're going to get out of us because this is a big boy league. You, you don't get a pat on the head, a gold star, and a package of Dunkaroos. Which did you hear Dunkaroos are coming back? <gasps> oh shit! Oh my god! Yeah. I'm finding this out right now. Yeah. Today I learned. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, we were ragging on Rutgers. So <laughs> no. They had a fine season, but the amount of backslapping that they're doing amongst themselves right now is a bit much. Especially considering all the winning they didn't do on the road. Yeah, that's the thing. If Rutgers makes a tournament, as we said, no team has won fewer games away from their home. And, you know, again, picking up that win at Mackey the, at the end of the season, that sure helps. But let's not pretend this is a typical Purdue team. Like, notwithstanding the fact that they have a couple very puzzling home results, Purdue was not their usual selves this year. And yes, we know it's Rutgers, but once again, that kind of the, that's kind of the point of everybody that doesn't want them in the conference yeah. is we know they're Rutgers. You want us to grade you on a curve? Because if so, we're going to keep kicking sand in your face and wishing you would go away. So it's it's one or the other. Do you want to be treated like everyone else? Do you want to get the patronizing treatment where every little good thing you do, we pat you on the head? Because that comes with the. Uh, we also want you to fuck out of here. Plus, you guys are now better at basketball than you are at wrestling, which is not very Big Ten of you. Yeah, yeah. Get your heads out of your asses. So, that was a long preview for one game on Friday. You gotta feel pretty confident about Wisconsin here because, as I said earlier, I mean, there is not a hotter team in the league. No. Uh, I think they ended either eight or nine game winning streak, something yeah. like that. So no, hard to hard to envision a tougher matchup in um, in the quarterfinal. Moving on down the bracket then, 
the game four winner, which remember, that's the winner of Northwestern slash Minnesota versus Iowa. So one of those three teams uh, gets Illinois. How are you feeling about that? Who do you want to see? Who are you most afraid of? What do you think is the most likely thing to happen? Um, all three of those are Iowa. Okay. <laughs> because, oh, come on. Don't tell me you don't want to see it. Don't tell me everybody else doesn't want to see it. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Yeah, we straight up hate each other. Brad Underwood signed a, uh, Fran McCaff- a big Fran McCaffrey triggered <laughs> poster in the Orange Crush. He did? That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I hope he signs all those signs. They had a lot of the good Fran memes right behind the eye. Yeah, they had Fran. That was, that was well done. I like to see They it. had a gigantic crying infant head that, that popped up right behind Garza when he got his fourth and just couldn't believe it. Yeah, man. He, uh, yeah, he's, Garza, at some point, whenever he gets the NBA, he's going to give us the next Carlos Boozer shocks gift. Like, that's going to Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> The one Carl's Blues, I think he was like when he was with the Bulls, where it's like a good like seven seconds, and I'm just like, oh yeah, he's yeah. got like the most most popped eyes and the most like perfect wide open, sort like just shot toothless smile. Like it's yeah. Anyway, Garz is gonna give us the next one of those, I'm sure. So again, yeah, the most likely outcome here is that it's Iowa going up against Illinois. That would be the best of all possible outcomes. I would feel good about this one for Illinois just because. Iowa's type of game, if they get challenged by Minnesota, is going to wear them out. A bit, yeah. And that's that's the case with all these matchups, is that really part of the advantage for the team that's got the bye is, well, what kind of road did the opponent have to take to get here? Like, if it's either of the teams that had to play earlier, and we forget about it, if you're playing a team that's on their third game in three days and you're playing your first even if you got a little bit of rust, like it's not even been a week since you played. That ought to be a huge advantage for the double bye team. Has anybody ever made it from Wednesday to Saturday since they expanded to Wednesday? There was that run. No, I don't think so. So I wanted to say Nebraska under Tim Miles. I don't remember if it was last year or the year before. They made a run from the first day of the tournament at least to Friday. I don't remember. I don't think they made it to Saturday. But I think they were pretty close to winning the Friday game. Maybe I make that. Up. Maybe they got blown out. But they made a little bit of a run. I think it was last year. I, think it was like I don't know if we will ever. I don't know if we will ever see a team in this Big Ten tournament format. I don't know if we'll ever see a team win from win the whole thing from the Wednesday spot. Not likely. Oh, it's you know the format of the WCC. Yeah, it, right? it's basically <laughs> just it, how easy can we make this for Gonzaga? Yeah, well, like, because basically the format of that is. Uh, is just that Gonzaga has a whole bunch of bodyguards. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Um, all right, but hold on. Let me. I want to look at the bracket from last year. Okay. Yeah. So Nebraska made it to Friday last year, and they lost by four to Wisconsin. Nebraska was the thirteen. They beat Rutgers. They beat the five seed Maryland, and then against the four seed Wisconsin, they lost by four. And had they beaten Wisconsin, though. I don't think they would have won the next game well, because they, they would have had to play Michigan State. After yeah, that. <laughs> and that was a you just yeah. can't keep that up. Um, well, Nebraska, remember Nebraska last year was also again down to like six or seven scholarship yeah. players because of injuries and so forth. And that was also like that was kind of the last stand for Tim Miles too. Like, remember, remember there was chatter for a little bit. Like, um, didn't he get like didn't the team kind of rally for him? Does he deserve another shot? And 
the administrator like no nah, he fired um and so everyone's favorite accountant is now i think probably much happier doing studio commentary, yeah which he seems to be pretty good at so so anyway Point is, I like Illinois in that matchup, yeah. uh, regardless of who it is, because the other two teams they've they've beaten, um, yeah. and then go to game nine, which is the game five winner, Purdue, Ohio State, it's Michigan State, and I think I know who you'd rather see. I'd rather see Purdue, yes. Really? Uh, really, really. Huh. For a few reasons. So, first of all, notwithstanding the result in East Lansing, I think that in terms of expected outcomes, Ohio State is a lot closer to matching Michigan State than Purdue is. They also just played, so the scouting information is all fresh. And that's true for Michigan State, too. But the other reasons are uh, I want to level the balance ledger here because that loss in West Lafayette remains, aside from Nebraska then beating Purdue, it remains the most inexplicable outcome of the conference season to me. And given that MSU ended in a three-way tie for first, you can easily say... That game is the only reason that we have to share the title, which should have been ours. So I know it's risky because there's always a chance that Purdue could just shoot 70% from three again, and then you've inexplicably lost twice to this dang-ass team twice in a year. It's just always funny to say that Michigan State should have won a game that they got blown out of, but, like, they should have. There's no reason for it. Like, if they're going to lose, at least should have been by, like, 30 points. Like, there's, Purdue was nowhere near that good. That was, like, an A quintuple-plus performance from them and an F-fucking-minus from MSU. And it's just so bizarre. Like, I've got to – I have to see these teams together again just so that I know that it wasn't, like, a glitch in the Matrix or something. Like, there's still – that game still doesn't make any sense to me. And I still think it's more likely MSU beats Purdue into pace than it would be against – Ohio State. Part of my job is I, I do warranty parts analysis for an auto supplier. And, uh, you know, what we're always looking for is can we replicate the failure conditions? Okay, so <laughs> exactly. we exactly. here and we just try and set up the same parameters. Okay, so let's try and simulate everything that the customer experienced. Let's try to simulate all the conditions and then see if we were to subject these things to these same exact conditions, could we get the same outcome? I don't think we could in this case. I don't think MSU could play a terrible game in Mackey 10 more games in a row and have as bad of a game as they did against Purdue this season. So if only for that reason. I'm just, like, I'm just morbidly curious because, again, frankly, like I'd love to win the Big Ten tournament. If we do, I'm sure going to chirp about it. But I don't really care if we do or not. So if we're going to lose, just lose in the first game that we play. And then have as much time as you can to, to scout your lineups, to rest, to practice shit. Um, you know what I mean? Like, MSU is probably going to be in the three line unless they win this whole thing, in which case they could be a two. I guess you could say if they lose in bad enough fashion, they could slip to a four. But either way, they're clearly not a one seed, and they're not in any danger of falling to a five, which was something I was very worried about, like, a week ago. So, <clears throat> if Michigan State gets Purdue and just gets their ass handed to them again, will, will, will your reaction basically just be laughter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What else? What reaction am I gonna have? Like it, it, it would just it would Basically, be like it, it would just be like a like a Pokemon thing where it's like yeah. Okay, would, I guess Michigan State type is super weak to produce. No, type. it would be like we're at Gyarados and they have some electric attack that they shouldn't know, but then they get a critical hit on it or something. It's like a like and so, like you just watch your HP like be. It's like are you kidding me? Really? So, yeah. So you've got a double weakness and they have same type same type attack bonus. Yeah. Yeah, and then like they happen to 
be holding a quick claw so now they're faster and they go first and critical hit your ass. Yeah, that's basically what it would amount to. At which point, I just turn off the game and, like, you know, I, like, don't even turn off the power, like, take the cartridge out and, like, throw it across the room. Like, that's the reaction at that point. So, um, yeah. Game six, Maryland versus the winner of... Uh, I'm sorry, game ten, which is the winner of game six versus Maryland. And so game six, as you remember, is the winner of Nebraska slash Indiana. Probably. Penn State. Indiana. Probably, yeah. So it's probably the winner of Indiana-Penn State, which is probably Penn State, but... We know these tournaments are not always shocks. Somebody's got to stumble. I think of those Thursday matchups, Penn State's probably the most likely to go down. I mean, <clears throat> Illinois-Iowa is probably, you could say, a toss-up that favors Illinois a little bit. But uh, I was talking about in terms of the previous games sending somebody here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, no, I see what you're saying. Yeah, right. Oh, okay. In ter- okay. Well, anyway. Um, <clears throat> just so weird to think of Illinois not playing on... Thursday. That's where I got thrown off. So anyway, um, yeah, the thing is, you almost feel like Indiana would have a pretty decent shot against Maryland. Possibly. Um, They certainly got the bodies up front to corral Jalen Smith to an extent. I mean, between Jackson Davis, Bronk, Deron Davis, um, even Justin Smith, although that's probably not a matchup they want necessarily, but they've got the guys with the with the physique up front to control Jalen Smith, which I think is more important to beating Maryland. <clears throat> although, honestly, the biggest reason MSU was able to do it was Rocket Watts made Anthony Cowan's life hell. So maybe the easier way to do it is to just assume Jalen Smith is going to get his, minimize his damage on the offensive boards, um, and put a lid on Cowan instead. But anyway, beyond the games we've talked about so far, we get into the rounds of speculating matchups a little bit for semifinals because there's you know multiple game outcomes you have to predict. So I don't think we're going to bother with that. Um, what we will do, however, how do you see the Big Ten tournament playing out in terms of what's the biggest surprise you think we'll see and who you got winning it? <clears throat> hmm. I mean... The fact that, like I said, Wisconsin's the hottest team in the league right now tells me that they won't win the Big Ten tournament because that's usually what happens. Yeah. Uh, because John Beeline is no longer at Michigan, I can't say, oh, yeah, well, for sure they're going to win, especially if they're the eighth seed. I mean, because you, you could just about bank on it that if they came in looking very uninspiring as a team with Beeline as the coach, they were going to win the tournament, and it wasn't even going to be close. Yeah. I actually... I like Michigan State's chances to win here. I think regardless of who they get from Purdue and Ohio State, I would like them in that matchup. And then looking at their side of the bracket, I think Maryland is a team that they figured out. Um, I think if they replayed both games this season, MSU probably wins both because Maryland really needed an unbelievable burst of heroism from Anthony Cowan to avoid the sweep. Um, Michigan State should have had them both times. Penn State did beat MSU in the Breslin Center, but that was long enough ago. And again, I just of the teams in their half of the bracket, I think MSU is playing the best basketball right now by a pretty good margin. The only teams that I think are likely to beat them are Ohio State and Maryland. Um, and then the top of the bracket, to me, I think is where you have more potential for surprises because, I'll put it this way, I think of the first round, of the first plays on... Thursday, Michigan and Rutgers are more likely to produce a team that crashes the semifinal 
or even the final than Purdue Ohio State. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. Um, I just think that's more likely from the top half of the bracket, especially considering Iowa's also in that group. So I think it's more likely that one of Iowa, Rutgers, or Michigan knocks out one of your double buys or both your double buys than it would be a case with the Penn State, Ohio State, Purdue combo. That's just how I see it. I could be wrong about that. God knows I've been wrong about plenty this season. But that's how I see it going. I, I like Michigan State to win it all. Um, they won it last year. They're on a little bit of a hot streak, too. Not to the same extent Wisconsin was, but they also had a bit of a harder schedule down the stretch. So I like Michigan State to win it all. Obviously, I hope they do because they're my team. Um, so well, Honestly, there are a lot of teams that I could see doing it. This is Yeah, it's a tough call. Don't get me wrong. It really is. I mean, because there's... there's there aren't a lot of teams that you can really say, nah, they couldn't do. I mean, I, I don't think any of the Wednesday teams will. Okay. No. That that should be pretty. No, pretty that's clear. That's nothing unusual. I don't um, think Purdue's going to do it. Um, probably not. I don't think Rutgers is going to do it. I really don't think Michigan's very likely, but I think they could win a game or two. They've got the top level talent where. If they're getting good games from Livers and Wagner and an efficient game from Simpson. They could knock off Wisconsin. They could be a threat to an Illinois or an Iowa. Um, it wouldn't be the weirdest thing in the world. On the other hand, about half the teams in this tournament, yeah, if you told me that they, if I went away and didn't have my phone with me for the rest of the week, and uh, then you told me that any of those top seven teams won the tournament, I'd be like, huh, interesting, right? Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. So that's Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, Illinois, and the top three. All right. Source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire!